Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford and I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available if their child lived in another city around the world. This week, we're going to travel to Birmingham. I hope I said that right. I think in the States, we may call it Birmingham. Not talking about Alabama, though. We're talking about the UK. And I had a great conversation with a coach, uh, parent trainer, and friend of mine who's actually very active in the Facebook group as well. Um, so I think you guys are going to enjoy that show. And as a matter of fact, as a follow-up to that show, I'm inviting him back onto the show because we filmed, we recorded this one months ago. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about what he does in the online coaching space, what he does in online, uh, sorry, in in-person coaching space. And he has a lot of information and resources that he shares with parents who are trying to um, work and support their child. Um, and we go back and forth, he and I, we go back and forth a little bit on, you know, how we get there, but the vision is kind of the same, which is, you know, you can support your child in soccer in a positive, not negative way. Uh, and then there's a lot of ways of doing that, but underlining all of that has to be that sort of positive and core and pleasant relationship that you have, a supportive relationship that you have with your child. So can't wait for that show the air i think you will enjoy it and uh, and let's discuss and then if you're not familiar with uh anytime soccer training is a website that will host over 1000 100 uh, follow along training videos as well as over 101 fun and games but man we are revamping everything so got a lot of surprises for you guys in the future so won't dwell on that uh today for this show but if you're interested in learning more about anytime soccer training please go to uh dash soccer.com again it's anytime dash soccer.com and then you can also check out the facebook group where i'm going to post this podcast uh to discuss what i'm about to say so now that we got all the public service announcements out of the way and i know many of you guys probably just fast forward to um, number to minute two that's kind of what i do at podcast so i'm not mad at you but please join the facebook group uh and so that we can discuss but now that we got all the uh psas out of the way this is a very, very quick one. I'm actually doing this right, trying to finish this one before I take my sons to soccer practice. Uh, this is a very quick one and it's in that category of what am I missing, okay? Now for years I have been saying quietly and now I started publicly saying it that, you know, sport or youth sports and then youth soccer specifically can make certain improvements in our what I called our gaming program or what I call our gaming program. And the reason I've been um, such an advocate of, of evaluating gaming programs or trying to, trying to, I don't know, convince coaches to start taking a look at the gaming program or club directors is because I actually believe it's a no-win situation. You can, you can come up with a solution that increases fun, increases development, and mitigates many of the negative aspects that are associated with games in the youth soccer space. And that's a convoluted, I've been called convoluted on Facebook. So that's a, that's a convoluted, uh, overcomplicated, again, I've been called overcomplicating things on Facebook. There's a convoluted, that's a convoluted and overcomplicated way of saying 
we could have a gaming program that mitigates sort of all that negative parent behavior that unfortunately has plagued youth soccer. So, but, and, and one of our, my other, my, one of my friends and online friends and uh, online trainers and, you know, just a great guy overall, uh, Fernando, who's in the Facebook group, brought this topic up again and it spurred on a lot of good, healthy conversation. And as I was reading the comments, it dawned on me that a lot of the confusion about this kind of conversation has to do more so with how we are defining things. So the purpose of this show is I'm going to throw out a couple of definitions that I have, and I want to use those definitions when we talk about this stuff on, in social media. And then I want our coaches to listen to this. And, then, and there's one coach in particular I just met with this weekend uh, by the name of Dominique uh, in my local area. I want you guys to listen to this and then come back onto the show and explain to me literally what am I missing? Why is this comp why is this more complex than it needs to be? What are you doing in this space that I don't that I'm not aware of that you think our guests would uh, like to hear? Because I don't want to be arrogant enough to say that folks aren't doing it because of course they are. That's why I'm saying what am I missing? Like where is it being done? How is it being done? What successes have you had? What pushback have you received? But for the purposes of this show, I really want to emphasize and define some of these terms that are in my head and share with you guys. And then I'll wrap it up with, uh, I, I don't wanna say recommendation because that's definitely not the right word, but wrap it up with a quick conclusion. Okay, so let's go over some, let's go over these four major definitions. The first definition is the game and what is a game, right? And I went to Google and looked it up and the game is effectively a form of play or sport that is played according to a set of rules. And I think you can use set of rules very loosely, but it's important to understand that that's the game, right? It's just playing the sport with a set of rules and presumably everybody agrees to what those rules are going to be. But here's where it starts getting a little tricky. Then you have what I would define as the gaming program. Now there, if you Google gaming program, uh, you're gonna get a lot of uh, educational material about becoming a um, Fortnite programming champion. So that's not what I'm talking about. So I just had to Google program and a program is a set of activities with a particular long-term goal. And every word in there is very important. It's a set, so plural, of activities. In this case, the games or the activities. So we'll say a set of games with a particular long-term goal. Right, so that's the gaming program, right? And that's, and that's part of what, uh, so all of these areas can be tweaked. So you can tweak the rules of a game to achieve certain outcomes, maybe some developmental outcomes or competition, level of competition or fairness, you know, whatever. You can also tweak your club's gaming program to achieve certain long-term goals or at least be aligned with long-term goals. So the frequency of playing games, you know, the length of the game, the seasons, all that kind of stuff is part of the gaming program. Do you do one tournament a year? Do you do three tournaments a year? Or do you do a tournament based on the needs of that individual team or, or whatever? Or maybe there's a special tournament that's happening that doesn't happen very often. You think this, is, this particular team would be a good fit for that particular tournament. That's the gaming program. Do you have pools of players that then on, that are on different teams 
that then go out and play external competition. That's also part of the gaming program. And then do you do a lot of internal scrimmages, not scrimmages, that's not the right word, but sort of intramural play. Again, part of the gaming program. Now, then you have the game format. And we talked about the game and having a set of rules, but then within that those games, you have a, a format. And that's also important to remember. So, and, and, and then I'm gonna make a distinction between the set of rules that are in a game and the game format. So let's define the game format. So uh, it's the way the game is arranged, right? And the rules that are applied to that particular arrangement. So I said a lot there, but effectively you can have a format that's a 1v1, that's a game, right? You can have a 2v1, that's a game. You can have 3v3, 5v3, 5v5, 11v11. All of those are gaming formats. And then you have the pitch size, right? You have, um, you know, you, how how you how you regulate substitutions. All of that is part of the format, and and that format again is designed to be a developmentally appropriate for that age group and that um that age group skill level. That's why my U eight son does not play ninety minute games, right? Because it's a format that's not. Uh, sort of conducive to a kid that age, right? And so you tweak the format. That's why they play 5v5 because they want more kids to have access to the ball and be engaged in the game. 11v11 is not practical at that age. So all of that stuff is uh, gaming format. And here's the final piece. And this is another very, very, very important uh, term that we want to define. And is at the heart of what folks, I'm, and I'm going to put this in his and put these words in his mouth. It's at the heart of what folks like um, uh, Coach Fernando and myself are saying. I think we're saying a lot of this stuff, but this is at the heart, which is the context. So it's the game context. And the context is the circumstances that form the setting for an event. So it's the so what I what I would like to say is the, the I would say that the context is all the pomp in um, circumstances, all the all the trappings or all the festival part of a game and nothing is intrinsically wrong. So let me give you an example from my personal life. I always tell people I got married. I'll never get a divorce because I was married three times to the same woman. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? It's like a riddle. Well, my wife happened to be, uh, we, we happened to live in London for a long time, but she happened to be Ethiopian and I happened to be American, right? So. You know, we had three different weddings and all three of them were very different and they had varying degrees of expenses as well. So I don't recommend this to anyone's listening. But anyways, we had a civil service at, in London as a practical matter, right? So we had a civil service in London as a practical matter, right? And it was just a few of my coworkers, a few of my friends. If you're familiar with that show EastEnders, which if you're from England, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, you don't. But just think of EastEnders. This is a very simple service in the, in the magistrate's office. It's actually pretty nice, but took about 20 minutes. We got married, right? Sign of documents, great. But, you know, that's just not going to be acceptable for our families. But we had to do that. We did that more for a practical legal matter. A year later, we went, we traveled to Ethiopia. No, actually, maybe less than a year later, we traveled to my hometown in, in uh South Carolina, and my mom organized a wedding at our house uh, for all of our friends and relatives, right? 
because obviously they're not going to travel to London and they definitely weren't going to travel to Ethiopia to celebrate. So we had a wedding there, but it wasn't legal. It was just, you know, just a ceremony. And that was great. Right. And then after that, we had this massive wedding in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, it was sort of like a coming to America type experiences, if you're familiar with that movie. I mean, it literally had to be thousands of people. And it was just because her father was very influential in the town that she grew up. It was, it, I'm not even saying this to brag, I was floored at the size of the wedding. And uh, my immediate family came and we were all just, I mean, it was just, I'm gonna share some pictures on Facebook so you guys can, can kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about, but it was just off the chain. It was just a massive wedding. It took, uh, it was over three days, different cities. It was just huge. So I keep going on and on. But at the core, we got married, right? And all that other stuff is the context. It's just the circumstances around uh, surrounding that wedding, right? Uh, surrounding us getting married. And the behavior of the guest, right, were in response to the context of the wedding. So my coworkers came to our wedding in London in the middle of the day. Uh, they dressed a little bit nicer than they normally would coming to work. I mean, uh, from, from work, but there was no drinks. There was no alcohol. We got married and they probably went back to the office and, and enjoyed it, right? At my mom's house, it was not really, it was kind of casual. Some people wore something a little bit nicer, but it was really casual. It was just something for friends and family. And then afterwards we just ate and that was kind of it. But the uh, ceremony in Ethiopia was almost like a, um, a political affair because her father was pretty influential. If you're familiar with African culture, I mean, they kind of go all out in this kind of stuff. I mean, it was like we were diplomats. I mean, they rolled out the entire, the red carpet, right? And so the guests behaved in a way that was consistent and showed respect to my wife's uh, father and the family. I'm talking the band, the, everything, right? So I don't want to ramble on too long about that, but I want to really give you a picture that these are the same types of people reacting totally different given the context of 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 what of the situation that they're in so now let's go back to soccer so what some of us are effectively saying is we're there's some fundamental things that our kids enjoy they want to compete they want to have fun they definitely want to play against other little fellows or other little girls and other kids and there's also a place for playing external competition there's a place for tournaments there's a place for stress within the game context there's a place for all that but we may be in a position where we can tweak that formula of the gaming program a little bit if your ultimate goal is unequivocally focus on the long-term development of the children. And I don't wanna be critical on coaches because that's not what I'm trying to do. I don't wanna be critical on club directors because that's not what I'm trying to do. And I actually don't even wanna be critical on parents. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not placing any moral uh, lens on this. I'm just saying, if this is your goal, you know, a happy, well-rounded, uh, thoughtful, uh, total footballer, then let's evaluate the gaming program. So let me give you an example. If I had wave a magic, if I could wave a magic wand and I had my own club, we probably would not be playing the, a game in the way uh, it's currently operated, the way you think about a game. We probably wouldn't do that every single weekend. I don't think our kids care and I don't think the parents care. And, 
and I think you can get a lot done on the weekends from a development perspective and still keep it fun without all the context that surrounds a game. I also think sometimes if you have a quote unquote bad game, you need to have, you could have the flexibility to say, you know what, next week, we're not going to play a game next week. Uh, we're going to work on some of the stuff I saw the previous week so we can be ready to do the following week. And I know it's complicated because you're part of leagues and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not really getting into the how you accomplish this. I'm really talking more about the principles. And then from those principles, there are there any ways that we can incorporate some of these ideals into the programs that we're seeing? And again, this is for public consumption to get uh, content out there for people to respond to. The format, I think we have a lot of flexibility with the format. So let me give you another example. When I, I played American football and one of my fondest memories of playing American football, and there weren't very many, <laughs> but one of my fondest memories of playing American football was a, a game format that we called the Jamboree. And the way the Jamboree worked is, and you guys do play, uh, played American football, you know, high school, you know what I'm talking about, is you would show up and you would play three or four teams in little short periods, maybe 10 minutes each. So you play team and it was all within your conference. So you might play 10 minutes against team A and then you go back to the locker room and you mess around while the other kids are playing. And then next thing you come out, you play 10 minutes of team B. And it was just a way for coaches to assess what they have, look at, and then it was, you know, look at the team in live action. But at the same time, um, it was really, really fun for us because we got to play against different teams in the uh, conference, okay? that's a, That was a game for, now, I think that was developmentally cool. I got to play four different teams in one day, right? To see the different styles and stuff. And I remember, and I know it was fun because it was exciting for me as a kid to play the different teams in one day. That's all format stuff, right? And that should not be confused with whether or not you having fun or not having fun or how you feel about the, the role of games in soccer and in our kids is just a format thing. So going back to youth soccer, for example, I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to be arrogant enough to say that if, if you show me the kid that's sitting on the bench, if, if, if I have a 10 game of 15 kids and, and uh, four of them are sitting on the bench and you came to me and said, Hey guys, and they're going to be sitting on the bench the whole game. Hey guys, after the game, do y'all want to play 15 minutes, four V four against each other? They're going to be like, yes, please. Can we do that? Who they're going to think? Yes. Yes. So that's an example of flexibility within the format. And I'm not saying you can do that. I know there's Phil Reynolds. I know it's all of this stuff, but what I'm trying to say is in many situations, I know for a fact, cause I have done it. Kids would prefer you to split the field in half and play a small sided game than have half of them sit on the bench. And if you don't believe me, take uh, 10 kids to the park and tell only five of them they're gonna actually get to play and see how the other five uh, react. So I think you can increase the fun. I think you can increase some of the development uh, with just a little bit of flexibility. And that's not to throw, out, throw the kitchen sink out, right? You still can have your standard formats. You still can have your tournament play. You still have all that kind of stuff, but you're just introducing a little bit more flexibility into the system. And then for our coaches, oh, by the way, you can even give them more autonomy, right? So a lot of coaches, and I hear feedback, or say, say, hey, I would love to play the Hispanic team, or I would love to... Um, play in this, uh, do a, take five of my kids and enter them into this particular tournament. Or I would love for my team to not play this weekend because some things I need to work on. 
but there are all these constraints or restraints, constraints within the uh, club system that just doesn't allow me to do that. And I hear that as well. So part of introducing flexibility to us into the system may be to address that. And finally, here we go to the drum roll, to the context. So I'm gonna get in my soapbox a little bit, but I'm also gonna put my management accountant hat on a little bit as well. So a little bit of both. If you are listening to me and you are part of the quote unquote soccer establishment or the soccer parent education um, industry, um, we really should, when we're communicating about these issues, we should really try our best to remove any type of moral lens from our evaluation of, of the behavior of players, parents, and coaches. So yes, there's some bad actors out there. Absolutely, there's some straight up bad actors. There are lazy coaches out there. There are crazy parents out there. And they're just kids who just are not, don't want to do right, right? So yes, but in my life, uh, on being on this earth, I rarely meet people who I think are rotten to the core. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, I just don't, I mean, maybe I'm just a blind optimist, but I just don't meet a lot of people who are rotten to the core. I think there are a lot of people who make bad decisions, right? And then I also think there are people who are just responding to the opportunities in the context that are placed in front of them. And that's an abstract way of saying, I actually believe a lot of the bad parent behavior is totally reasonable given, all, given the circumstances surrounding them. It's not right, right? I'm not justifying it at all. But if I'm looking at it almost like they say, like a metaphysical level, just looking at the moving parts, it's understandable because there are a lot of trappings, sensory trappings, marketing trappings that uh, build into a game culture that now, quite frankly, is getting completely and utterly out of control. And so I think, and I think what many of us are beginning to say is, no, we're not gonna, you know, of course, we're not going to change fundamentally who people are, parents love for their kids and how that goes overboard and all that kind of stuff. But we can change the context of this stuff in such a way that it starts to at least mitigate some of this negative behavior. And then we can then start working on creating norms that are considered acceptable. Because, you know, I'll use an example, the same crazy parents that I see on the weekends they're not yelling at their kids for the most part. Some of them try to whisper during practice. Why? Because of the context. Why? Because of the norms. Why? Because of the normally the practice is further away from, um, from the parents. So it's these same crazy people on Saturday don't act crazy on Thursday. And, and so why is that? And I think it's a lot to do with context and norms. So if you tell a person this is the super elite you know, uh, double whammy all-star gold team that's playing in the super elite double whammy all-star gold cup, 
that's part of the elite super circuit uh, that costs $500 to be a part of, which is attracting the best kids from around the world. If you tell people that, <laughs> then you can't really be completely shocked that a percentage, we ain't even talking about all of them, a percentage of them are going to misbehave. If I, if I tell 100 people that, 10 of them are going to misbehave. And then that, those 10% that misbehave will overshadow the rest. And then it doesn't happen in isolation. If 10% misbehave, that encourages the misbehavior of some other parents who are on the fence. So as an example, I'll probably give a lot of examples. When I worked in the education space, I used to have to help substitute teach because we were in a small char charter school. But the way I substituted teach teaching for the most part was when the teachers and the educational staff were either off to do workshops or off um, on field trips and stuff. So I was getting, so yeah, so I was there a lot of times without the educational staff, which in some respects was a good thing because I was probably able to do some things that I would not have been able to do if they were watching me and probably would have got me fired if these guys had cell phones. But one of the tactics I used is two uh, classrooms were adjacent with a door in between and the kids were middle school age. They were adjacent. So I would ask them to do their work. And of course, many of them would not and they talk and they cut off, especially with me as a substitute teacher. So what I would do is I would quietly go to the kid who, first kid who was behaving properly, quietly sitting there doing his or her work. And I would whisper in his or her ear to walk with me to the adjacent classroom. I would put them in there and they'd be in there doing their work quietly. And all the kids would pop up like, man, why, why, is, why is she going in that room? And whatever. And they wouldn't think anything of it. And then I would find another one that was being quiet and I would take them over there. And then when I brought the other one over there, I would explain to them, you're here because you're trying to do right. And I don't want you to be in an environment uh, where a few people are disrupting what you're trying to do. And I'm putting you in here by yourself because I trust you, right? And so slowly I would start bringing other kids over. And when I would bring the other kids over who were behaving and they'd walk into that room that was completely silent and kids on task doing their work, the other kids almost felt obligated because slowly as you start bringing them over, you're getting kids who are kind of on the fence. They almost felt obligated to conform to the culture of the room that they were entering in, right? So if everybody's over there is quiet, they had to be quiet and on task. And I explained to them, you, those kids, you have a choice. You can stay in this room and take care of business and do your work and be quiet. Or you can come back over to this room and, and cut up and do whatever you gotta do and have to deal with me, you guys aside. And, and, and most of them, all of them actually, I don't know if it was because of pressure for me, decided to stay in a quiet room. And eventually, it got down to, you know, three kids who, uh, I guess you'd say the worst offenders who did not want to do right. Now, in my, if it was a club environment, I would be giving those parents in this analogy their exit, like, this is not going to work, right? In the school environment, of course, I can't do that, but that's when I had an intervention with those three kids. Now I got an intervention with them, behavioral intervention saying, we're gonna learn by the numbers. You want my attention? Now you got it, right? I'm gonna be right here in front of you. We're gonna learn by the numbers because that's kind of that's what you seem to want. And you make that, you make being in that room so uncomfortable that they wanna get to uh, the quiet room. And I think you have an opportunity to do that with. Uh, 
the gaming program. And I'm, you know, and, and I'm not making a hard recommendation because I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but we can start coming up with strategies to sort of curb some of the negative parent behavior that we're seeing. All right. So, hey, I want your feedback. I, I, I've, I'm going to go on record to say if I do a podcast, especially where I'm giving my opinion and you walk away agreeing with everything over the course of these podcasts, not just one. If you walk away agreeing with everything, I have I have not I have not done my job. I have And part of my job is to talk in, in, in a level of detail. And when you do that, you expose yourself because you don't cover everything because you're trying to do a podcast. And sometimes you're just quite frankly wrong or you don't have all the facts. So this is another one of those ones for public consumption. This is one of those ones I wanna get out there and I want our coaches to listen to and give us feedback. And I'm gonna invite Fernando, Fernando, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm gonna invite you on um, because you, you helped me think about this. Dominique, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm gonna invite you on to talk about some of the work that you have been doing in Kansas City, as well as some of the work you've done in the Carolinas. And then I, wanna, I want to invite a coach on or club director who Respect, respectively says, been there, done that. <laughs> I have the gray hair to prove it. This is why what you're saying, uh, this is where you're off base or it could work in these circumstances, but it won't work when you're trying to manage a club of you know 5,000 kids or something, you know, whatever. All right, this is Neil Crawford, Anytime Soccer Training. Let's get better together.